remarkable accomplishments are happening every day on the Colorado Mesa University and Western Colorado Community College campuses, including contributions from the more than 400 student veterans whose enrollment at the university continues to grow. Women and men who served in the armed forces are a significant part of CMU's campus culture. They are diverse in their service as well as their academic interests and have served in regions spanning the globe. In 2019, CMU student veterans initiated legislation on campus that was passed not only by the U.S. Congress, but was signed into law by the President of the United States. Today, on this special pre-July 4th edition of CMU Now on KAFM Community Affairs, we will be joined by three student veterans. We'd like to welcome our first two guests today, Jordan Legree and Jeremy Legree, both of who are Navy veterans. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, So I know it'll be a little bit tricky because we do have the two of you calling in. So we're just going to kind of dive right into the questions and and get started. Um, So Jeremy, I think I'm going to start off with you today. Um, So you are on a ship that carries more people and is bigger than many towns and small cities in America, which is pretty impressive. And I was hoping you could maybe describe for our KFM listeners what that's like. And, you know, does it feel different than living in a town or a city that's on water? Or, you know, how does that compare? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting. It's a bit of a shocking experience, you know, when you kind of first see the size of that ship, you ask yourself how, how it's possible to stay above water. Um, there is, I think anytime we deployed, um, about Navy personnel, you'd have about eight or 900 and then, yeah, we pick up about 3000 Marines or so, uh, right before we deployed. So it was, it was interesting. Um, some people, you know, you saw, all the time and some people you could be there for three years and maybe see them once or twice so definitely just kind of depending on the job you had and where you were at in the ship there's yeah it was pretty rare to run into some people but um sometimes yeah sometimes you see the same people every day too so it was it was definitely an interesting experience yeah and one that probably not a lot of people can relate to but that's it's interesting to hear that from your perspective yeah when your only point of reference is like movies like Top Gun. It's hard to imagine a ship that size. But Jordan, I understand that um, you you served on a ship that was much, much smaller and that 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 ship had a whole different culture because of its size. Can you kind of talk to us about where you served and how that differs from like a major aircraft carrier or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So yeah, I was on a much, much smaller ship. Um, Our total crew, I think the max is like 400 and that's officers. Um, crew kind of all of the same um we have kind of we serve all in the same places really as the bigger ships um but because it's just so much smaller you know unlike jeremy's experience i saw the same people every single day um so i think the the camaraderie base was much smaller you know we knew the officers the commanding officer of the ship you know knew most of us by first and last name um you know, and even where we were from. So I think the dynamic is, you know, vastly different. We've compared stories um, a ton, him and I, about how, you know, they would, you know, run out of food or, like, ketchup sometimes, and that wasn't really, you know, the Navy experience that I was used to because there was just so many fewer of us. You know, and that's interesting. Again, that's something that probably a lot of people wouldn't even think about is just the logistics of having pretty much a small city out on the sea yeah literally a city <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah well <laughs> yeah jeremy i know um when most people who haven't served in the military hear about airstrikes they see something on tv or maybe the outcome of those but 
I, I think I, I understand that just a day or two maybe into your deployment, you learned that you were going to be conducting airstrikes on Syria, was it? And I just wondered, is that right? And then two, if it is, how did that feel? Like, what was it? What was that experience like in, in being part of that? Yeah, um, it was definitely interesting. I, I had uh, finished up A school and they were sending me to a ship. And I, you know, I just heard the name of it. I looked up a little, some stuff on how big it was. You know, I was kind of trying to prepare myself. And when I got there, I mean, shortly into within the first year, I think it was the first week, um, you know, I'm just getting introduced to how the ship works. I'm introduced to, to my the crew that I'm going to be working with for the next four years. And and then all of a sudden, you know, they're talking about going into general quarters and battle stations. And then before you knew it, you know, within a week of, of getting there, it's, you hear the bells ringing, everybody's jumping out of, uh, everybody's jumping out of their racks and throwing their boots on and red lights all over the ship and everyone's scrambling. And I'm kind of just, just kind of lost in it for a little bit. And then you kind of start to see how all these people know exactly what to do. They know their their role, you know, in, in the big machine, they know what they have to do to make the machine go smoothly. And it was really interesting to see, you know, everybody starting to work together, do their part to achieve, you know, a common goal. Uh, but for me, it was definitely eye-opening experience. I, I just, it was, it was kind of nerve-wracking at first, a little scared. I didn't really know what was going on. Um, but they were pretty good at, you know, kind of taking me under their wings and, and showing me the ropes. And yeah, it, it, luckily everything went as it was supposed to. And we got out of there okay, and the mission was a success, I'd say. Yeah, and that's probably too why, I mean, there is so much training that happens before. So, you know, I'm assuming this, I've never served in the military before, but I would assume that's why you go through so much training. So that way, by the time you get to these, you know, high pressure, high stakes situations, you can at least fall back on your training. And then, like you said, rely on your your teammates in the Navy to, to help you through kind of one of those first time experiences like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And a big, big thing in the Navy, too, is um, they call them standard operating procedures. There's, there should, the idea behind it is, is there is somewhere something is written down that tells you exactly what you're supposed to do and when you're supposed to do it. So very, um, very literal. I mean, you're supposed to be able to do something word for word for word for word. And there's a lot of procedures that are in place for you to know what to do and when to do it. Well, you are listening to CMU Now on KAFM Community Affairs, and our first guests today are current students and Navy veterans, Jordan Legree and Jeremy Legree. So, Jordan, I'm going to head it back over to you and kind of head in a little bit of a different direction. Um, So the ratio on a Navy ship of men to women might be about four to one. You know, that's just kind of a, a guesstimate. But I'm just curious for you what it was like to be in a gender minority and how it impacted your experience. Yeah, it is. Uh, the ratio is definitely, definitely off. Um, and I think that, you know, again, there are, I, well, assuming there are probably people out there, you know, that think that the military is just, you know, a male profession. And and I, I get the mindset because that's, you know, how things used to be. Um, and as a female veteran, of course, I think, you know, there's value in the diversity of it all. Um, but I never really had, you know, those experiences. I was in a shop with, you know, a bunch of, um, guys and there were a few of us girls. I think the most was four at four out of 17, 18, um, at at a time. And, um, we worked together well. They, you know, were from all over the country and treated me just as part of the team. But I also went in with the mindset that, you know, there may have been people who, thought that you know women don't belong in that place and so I went in with 
I'm going to bust my butt, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get dirty. I'm going to do whatever I have to do, you know, to prove myself, um, and be like a vital part of the team. And, and that was really my experience. I, uh, I can't really say that I ever was treated any different because I was a female, because I was willing to work just like the guys were. So, well, when you were talking earlier before we started, uh, went on the air and started the podcast, I heard you talk about this term accelerated intimacy, which is an interesting term. I was wondering, can you expand a little bit about what does that mean and 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 how did you come up with that term or what was your experience around this accelerated intimacy? I think you were, it was referring to your, your, your fellow colleagues. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think this is kind of something common that I, you know, most veterans could agree with. And I try to explain it to, you know, my civilian friends is, you know, if we go on deployment or, you know, nine, ten months at a time or, you know, even when we're not on deployment and we're in port on the ship, I mean, you work with the same people every single day. And, you know, through the good, the bad, the ugly, I mean, we go through the trauma of it all and being homesick and missing our families and there's no really other outlet but to kind of talk to each other about it. Um, you know, so I have friendships you know 24 or 5 years now and I've known you know people the 8 years I was in that I sometimes have you know felt closer to just because you're in a confined space very close quarters you get to know you know the intimate details of that person's life and it does it kind of just accelerates it and you get close even if you don't want to sometimes um, just yeah that's great. Well, you are listening to CMU Now on KFM Community Affairs, and our first guests today are current students and Navy veterans, Jordan Legree and Jeremy Legree. So, Jeremy, I'm going to bring it back over to you for a minute. So, you know, for those of us that haven't served in the military, um, I think, you know, we've got a certain image in our mind of what serving in the military is like and what our military does. But, you know, recently we heard about the large Navy hospital that went into the New York Harbor um, here with everything happening with COVID to help with hospital patients. And I know that when you were on deployment, your ship went off the coast of Brazil to do humanitarian work. And I'm just wondering, is that a part of the Navy's mission too? kind of this humanitarian side that maybe a lot of people don't always associate with our military? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when you think of, I guess, the Navy or any civilian military um, branch, it seems like it's more of a combative thing, and all you are expecting is, you know, um, either some some sort of violence tied to that. And and that's not all the military does. You know, they they do do humanitarian stuff, which I think is important. Um, but yeah, going to these places and getting to work with some of these people, I mean, you you just you get to see that people are people all around the world and sometimes you know people just need a little help and it's nice to know that i mean even for us you know it gets it can get daunting knowing that you're deploying for a certain reason you might have to do some things you don't agree with but you signed up for and it's it's always just really nice to be able to kind of zoom out and and be able to go into a place like that to help somebody and see how grateful they are for you know whatever you can offer them when you use the word daunting, and I can imagine that the, sometimes the length of time in which you're gone is also daunting. I, I think I read that sometimes deployments are, can last more than a year. And uh, you had mentioned that there's this kind of, maybe it's a ceremony or an event maybe called Manning the Rails. Can you paint a picture yeah. of what that ceremony is and, and what the experience is like when you have the Manning the Rails ceremony and what that's like for sailors? 
Yeah, so um, whenever your ship uh, gets gets the gets the news that you're going to be heading home and someone's coming to relieve your, your area that you guys were um, required to operate in, um, they start working out the details. And essentially when you're pulling back into port about, I'd say about an hour, hour and a half before you're actually pulling into the pier of your home base, um, you do what's called manning the rail. So for us, we had a bunch of Marines on board um, and Navy personnel. A lot of the other ships, it's just Navy personnel. So that would all be who all it is. But um, you know, you get in your dress uniforms and everybody, you line the ship shoulder to shoulder. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of people on my boat. So the entire flight deck is just covered um, all the way around the edges, all the catwalks around the edges of the ship, any bay that's open that you can see through the skin of the ship. Um, and it's just alternating sailors, you know, Marine, Navy, Marine, Navy, and dressed dress in your finest, standing at parade rest, and they're playing songs over the intercom and you come and you know come into your port and there's hundreds and hundreds of people on the port just you know cheering you on waiting for you to get home and your friends and your family um and then you know some of the coolest parts you get to see is when you pull in you know all the new dads and new moms that haven't got to see their kids yet because they deployed or brothers and sisters or grandparents and you get to see all these guys walking off the pier and greeting you know their loved ones after they've been gone for 10 months it just it makes it there's sometimes you kind of feel like you're not doing a lot because it's just day-to-day operation and seeing stuff like that you know the gratitude that these people have for each other for what they're doing it just it makes you feel like you're a part of something bigger I can only imagine what that must feel like I mean again for me never serving in the military but I watch a lot of those videos when you know soldiers come home on social and they always bring a tear to my eyes so I couldn't yeah. imagine actually being there in the moment and yeah. feeling all of that emotion and getting to see like you said your loved ones especially new parents and like it's conjuring up just a really beautiful image in my mind right now yeah for me too. yeah it's it's pretty incredible to see well great well we're already getting to the end of our time with the two of you today so I think we'll kind of leave it on this last question and this will be a question for both of you um, Jordan why don't we start with you today so I think you know Fourth of July is right around the corner and you know here in America we celebrate our Fourth of July very vehemently um, but I think maybe sometimes you know people don't think about all that goes into you know what the Fourth of July really is celebrating and what it means so for you as somebody who has served in the military um, does the holiday mean anything different to you um, yeah, I mean, I would say that it does. I think that, um, you know, for Jeremy and I, we come from a, a huge military family, grandpas, great grandpas, um, you know, dad and everything. So I think 4th of July, you know, for me is, it's more about the people who kind of got us here, you know, mm-hmm. the, the freedoms and the things that I get to do every single day, you know, be a college student, um, you know kind of live life the way that I see fit. Fourth of July for me is really celebrating the people, you know, who fought for that right for me. And so that's just kind of where I hold Fourth of July. I love that. I love hearing that. And and Jeremy, what about for you as, you know, somebody who has served in our military and who's now back on U.S. soil and here and a student at CMU, what what does Fourth of July mean to you? Yeah, it's, uh, I think I'd have to kind of agree with her. It's it's, it's about the people, you know, you kind of, just over the past, I mean, I don't know, however many years, um, you know, men and women that have just kind of given their lives for the idea of what all of us are fighting for. And it's, for me, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, those, those men and women kind of laid their lives down for us to be able to do the things we're doing today. And 
I just that that shouldn't go unappreciated. So for me, it's it's about honoring the people that have gotten us where we are today. I, I like how you said that. You know, people that have given their life for an idea. Mm-hmm. That's that's nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty powerful way, I think, to end our show today. So, uh, Jordan and Jeremy, thank you so much again for taking the time out of your day to join us and talk to the KFM listeners. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys thank you. for having us. All right. Well, don't go anywhere because after a short break, we'll be back with current student and Army veteran Desiree Medrano. Welcome back to CMU Now, a monthly show where we talk about the remarkable work happening at Colorado Mesa University and Western Colorado Community College. This is a special edition, and we'd like to welcome our second guest, current student and Army veteran, Desiree Medrano. So Desiree, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. All right. Well, we're going to just hop right on in and start asking you a few questions. So in the first segment of the show, we talked to a few fellow veterans who served in the Navy, um, but you served in the Army. So, you know, I don't know how many people today know much about our armed services or what their knowledge base is. So I was wondering if you could tell us the primary difference between the Navy and Army and maybe why you chose the branch of the military service that you did. Yes, of course. Um, So... The Army was founded in June um, 14th in 1775. It's the oldest and biggest branch in military service. Um, And it offers so many um, opportunities. Um, The Army's primary function is to protect and defend the country um, with ground troops, armories, artillery, helicopters, nuclear weapons, and um, medical services. Um, so the reason why I chose the army was because there's just so many opportunities that you could get into. Um, I decided to go into the medical field and I did medical logistics. Um, and I know with the Navy, um, they're like tasked to maintain peace and freedom of the United States seas and they could transport, um, Marines into like conflicted areas. Well, speaking of you know, being on the ground, uh, I saw that you were deployed in South Korea. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Well, and, and I think I you know South Korea is one of the most celebrated democracies on Earth, but right outside of South Korea is one of the scariest places on Earth. Uh, the DMV. When you were there, I mean, did you have any? interaction with the DMV? Were you near there? Did you have any chance to see it? If so, what was it like? Or So, um, what we have to do while we're on station in Korea, we do these FTXs, which are field training exercises. And one of the field training um, exercises that we did, um, we were able to tour the DMV. And a little bit about the DMZ. It's a demilitarized zone, um, so it's an area for agreements and treaties um, to go back and forth with North Korea and South Korea. Um, and one of the places there, it's called the Peace of House. I forgot the Korean term of it, um, but that's how the North Korean and the South Korean um, military personnel communicate between each other. Um, so it was really interesting um, to be able to go in and I actually stepped foot on North Korea. 
which is really, I mean, there's very few oh. Americans that, or very few people outside of outside Korea. Outside of that, Dennis Rodman, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that can say that. So that's pretty incredible to hear. And, you know, I always find it interesting when we talk to different students from CMU and hear their, their past experiences and past stories. It's just pretty incredible. Well, is there a wall or is it a line? I mean, when you put your foot in North Korea, how did you know you were in North Korea? So it's a little house. And back to, it's called the Peace of House. It's a blue building. And when you walk in there, there's a big table that fits about 12 people. And there's a white line of tape that goes right between, right in the middle of the room. A and piece of tape separates half, the a dictatorship and a democracy. Yes. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Well, so on each side, they had um, a South Korean soldier and a North Korean soldier. And in that room, it's the safe zone. You could walk anywhere in that room, um, touch anything, take pictures. Um, so it was a really cool experience. Um, and you kind of get the adrenaline rush when you go across the North um, Korean border <laughs> and you're standing right next to a North Korean soldier. Um, I don't know. It's really hard to explain. It's just really fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I can only only imagine what that would feel like, but I'm glad that you were able to, to share a little bit. Walk of, back, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Well, good. Well, you are listening to CMU Now on KFM Community Affairs, and our guest today is current student and Army veteran Desiree Medrano. Um, so when you were over in Korea, I believe it was in 2013, the Seoul Towers were attacked by two missiles, and you were there for it and experienced it. And, you know, I can only imagine um, how scary of a time that could be and how scary of an experience that could be, but I was hoping you could maybe tell us a little bit more about what that felt like and what that experience was like for you. Um. It was in 2015, and um, it it just happened so fast. You know, we were, I don't I think I was at the chow hall eating, and um, we got a call from our commander um, telling us, all, for all of us to get our gear and run back to the company. Um, so when we all ran back to the company, they were just explaining the situation, what was going on, um, and that North Korea was testing missiles, and one of the missiles um, hit Seoul. Luckily, there was no casualties or anything, um, but it was definitely an eye-opener that, you know, South Korea is not just about having fun and experiencing the culture and all that. We were actually, we're actually there, you know, to protect um, the South Korean people and to provide support. And that incident definitely made it feel real that we're here to protect and not just have fun. That's, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. So did you get to have many experiences, you know, off of your base where you were working directly with South Koreans, whether they were civilians or any of their military service individuals? Yes. So there, there is the Katusa soldiers, which they're actually part of the Korean um, military. Um, but they help support the U.S. Um, they have to go through a lot of training and testing 
Um, and it takes years for them to even be considered um, a candidate to help support the U.S. So it was really cool um, being able to build that relationship um, with those soldiers um, just because they knew the area around more um, and we got to learn their culture a little from bit a more. different perspective yeah, I'm sure they lived it. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure that's a interesting part of serving in the military and getting to be overseas. Yeah, for sure. And do you, you know, I want to go back a little bit to your experience in the DMV just so that we can talk about what the 4th of July means to you because this is a, a special edition to celebrate the 4th of July. When, you know, you set foot, as you described, in one of the least free, free places on earth and you live in one of the freest places on earth. And so having served in the military and having had that experience what does the 4th of July mean to you as a student veteran and how, you know, how do you feel about it? Um, it definitely makes me realize, you know, to not take anything for granted, um, especially working with the Katusa soldiers and what they have to go through. All males in Korea, they have to serve in the army. They don't have a choice. Um, so to have that privilege to, you know, step up and want to serve for your country um, just makes you appreciate life and what we have a lot more. I can, you know, again, it's one of those things where I can only imagine because, you know, I've never served in the military, but I can guess that having those experiences does just give you such a different appreciation for being able to live here in America and what our experiences are compared to others throughout the world. And that that contrast, you know, of North and South Korea, which is mm-hmm. such a unique place where you have that really clear you know, distinction between the two things is must have been just so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you are yes. listening. Oh. Sorry, Desiree. <laughs> well, you are no, li- it's okay. <laughs> Good. I'm just going to read this real quick. Well, you are listening to CMU Now on KFM Community Affairs, and our second guest today is current student and Army veteran Desiree Medrano. So, Desiree, we're already kind of getting to our end of our time with you. This um, segment, it always goes by pretty quickly, but I was hoping, too, that you could maybe talk to us quickly about, you know, we've got about 400 student veterans on CMU's campus, and I'm curious for you, what does it mean for you to be able to attend college after serving your country and to specifically attend college at CMU where, you know, I feel like we do really try to support all of our student veterans? Um, first of all, I was born and raised here in Grand Junction. Um, so growing up, you know, I was able to see um, CMU as Colorado Mesa College um, or Mesa State College, and just to see how much it's grown and how we have so much support, especially um, from the VA, it's just a, it's a really welcoming experience. And I'm glad that I was able to go through the military um, and kind of grow up a little bit, and then. Um, Because I did do a year of college before joining. And actually going through the experience and coming back to CMU, I just have a different perspective on, you know, getting my education and having the support and the team and the resources and everything 
it's just such a better experience now. And I'm I'm glad to hear that that you know you feel supported, and I think you bring a lot you know to CMU's campus as well as hopefully all of your experiences to the classrooms and to be able to when you're interacting with our other students and our faculty members, bringing you know a really different perspective to campus. And we're happy happy that you chose chose CMU and that you're here. For sure. Well, Desiree, thank you so yeah, much again for you. taking the time out of your day to come and chat with us and to let our KFM listeners hear a little bit about your story. So thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, this was a special edition of CMU Now on KAFM, and you can listen to a podcast of today's show at kafmradio.org. I'm your host, Caitlin Birdsall, along with my co-host, David Ludlam, and we'll be back on July 14th for our regular CMU Now show on KAFM's Community Affairs Hour.